Welcome to Catholic Town, sponsored by the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes and Mount St. Mary's University. Catholic Town aims to highlight people, places, and movements that are spreading the kingdom of God in the historic town of Emmitsburg, Maryland, and beyond. Join us as we sit down with Catholic figures of all types, hear their stories, and get to the heart of what drives them. Hello, this is David McCarthy. You may remember me from previous podcasts. I might have introduced myself as associate provost, but I think of myself as a theologian still. I taught theology for a long time. And I'm with Peter Dorsey, who has had different kinds of roles at the Mount, been here for a long time. You are one of the old timers. That's correct. I think there's three people ahead of me. You're, you're at the age, I don't want to say, you look young. We'll preface that. People can't see you. But, yes, which is a big benefit here. But you could, uh, it, are you, you're not, you don't have the possibility of teaching grandchildren, do you? No, I've had a couple children so far. Yeah. I do know that a grandchild exists of I someone see. I taught. I see. But um, so far I haven't had the privilege of teaching that person. Okay, but you've had children of students. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Which is wonderful. Yeah. So that makes you feel good. Makes me feel Because you were so good. They want the same for their children. No, they probably were saying, well, Dorsey was okay, but I figure in the amount of time since I had him, he's probably gotten better. Um, just as an aside, so uh, I'm sorry to go on that theme. I was talking uh, not so long ago, about six months ago. I see him occasionally. I won't say his name, but a, a student I had like around 1999. And I said to him, I'll just call him Bob. Name's not Bob. I said, Bob, I get embarrassed when I see people that had me when you had me because I guess can't imagine what kind of hack I was. I've gotten so much better. And he said, Oh, Dr. McCarthy, don't worry. I forgot what you said the minute I went out the door. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Which is such a, yeah, that made me feel real good. Yeah. Yes. yes. But you know, even worse is when you spend hours grading papers and then they drop the paper in the trash can on the way out. <laughs> Here you go. There you go. All right. So there's a little student don'ts that we, we presented a little public service announcement. All right, moving on. We're here to talk about Lent. Wonderful. Yes. Over the years, we've talked Catholic things. Sure. Yes, we yes. have. We have. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And here, like I say, we're talking about Lent. I did a little bit of looking around. Like I say, I have a sense of these things being a theologian. You're a long time churchgoer, practicing Catholic. So that's what we're going to do here. First of all, I'm going to say, do you have any, first of all, what do you call it? Fat Tuesday, Strove Tuesday, uh, Mardi Gras? Well, growing up, we probably called it the day before Lent. <laughs> okay, Lent Eve. I think, I think in, my father's, <laughs> in my father's family, they called it Shrove Tuesday. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that comes from a word, a Latin, you know, a, a Latin for uh, that's developed from absolution. Okay. Yeah. So that, that drove or strove. Yeah. 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 All right. Go ahead. Anyway, you got, you I was going to say, it's funny that, you know, when you think of shrove, you think of, you know, receiving forgiveness through confession. Yes. But normally you probably wouldn't do that. Go to confession on Fat Tuesday. Exactly. You'd probably exactly. wait until that started. Yes, exactly. So yes. it's slightly misnamed. Yeah, I, and I was looking around a little bit about that, and I think it was came from a time when um, Lent was um, like Ash Wednesday. You you actually do public penance. That's what the ashes are on your forehead, right? And but all of Lent was public penance, and the Absolution Tuesday, I guess, it originally was, or the night before, 
I don't, this is my word, so it's going to be somewhat incorrect, but it's how it made my, made sense in my head is called like amnesty Tuesday. Like, you know I mean? You're about to start your penance and you, this is the day of forgiveness, right? Before you kind of start the long haul for Easter. And I think that's where carnivals get connected, right? right. Celebratory. That makes sense. Which I have to say, the mass has a, you know, if it's about grace, then it's about forgiveness, right? Great. So you, you could can't say have one without the other. it was a big, yeah, I want to say, and it's always put, theologically speaking, you always want to put grace before forgiveness, right? So That sounds good to me. So you could say maybe the history of this is it was the big, big, you know, blow, the grace blowout okay. before Lent started. Okay. Fair enough. That makes sense. I, I, and I think that, you know, lots of cultures, uh, I know my son was in Germany, Jack was in Germany for uh, study abroad last uh, spring, mm-hmm. and they have carnival there. And um, we have our students in, some of our students in Ecuador now, and they have carnival. Right. Spray each other with water and crazy foam and stuff. Kind of interesting. But anyway, cultures have their own celebrations. Right. Uh, now we're on to Ash Wednesday. Yes. Ash Wednesdays. You got any ash? Oh, you didn't tell us. I'm sorry. We skipped off your Strove Tuesday. Your What did you do for Strove Tuesday? Not that much. Oh, no. Oh, really? I don't think in our family, you know, we sort of, we, we weren't big celebrators. So yeah. I think, you know, oh, okay. now on Ash Wednesday, of course, we observe the fast and the abstinence. Yeah. And we often yeah. had pancakes for dinner, you know, with On no, Tuesday. Yeah. No, on Wednesday because no meat, right? So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, oh. so in a way, because the pancakes were somewhat celebratory. Yeah. We sort of celebrated Ash Wednesday rather than Fat Tuesday. Mixed signals. Yeah, the a little bit. Home. But yes. it was mainly just something the kids would eat that did not have meat. Oh, right. Gotcha. So that's where the pancakes came in. Okay. All right. Very good. So we got the fasting. But first of all, before we, before we get to the fasting and all of that, um, and I already mentioned that the, the ashes are public penance. Somewhere in the Middle Ages, I think around 1100, it got the whole, the whole uh, period of Lent was public penance. Like, you know, you would make it visible but it got reduced to just Ash Wednesday. So that's, that's what the, the ashes are people's for. It's public penance. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm admitting I'm doing this or whatever, you know, I'm going through this. Uh, but um, the ashes themselves, I think are pretty traditional. I just think I know are traditional for penance. Like the, I think it's the phrase is in the Bible. I know it's in the new Testament, sackcloth and ashes. Right. Right. So, mm-hmm. It's a traditional thing. Um, I know that one of the phrases growing up, we've got, you are dust or you're from dust and dust you will return. Yes. Now, and I think it started in the 60s. Uh, it was before Vatican II, I think. You also had the option of repent and believe in the gospel. Okay. Which, yes. I, which I'm getting mostly where I'm going. Right. I'm not dust. I'm not told I'm dust, which I kind of miss. Yeah, I feel like I've, I've. It's been about fifty-fifty, and in the last years, they're going with the dust for me because they see me coming. <laughs> That's right. They dig deep. <laughs> they dig deep. All right, and they they spread it as far as they can. You know, I don't know what it is. I I have analyzed myself plenty on this. I don't know why I personally prefer being called dust. You figure you wouldn't, right? You figure I'd go up there hoping I'd get repentance and believe. Yeah, because there's a little scariness. To dust uh, or repent? Well, the ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I know, but why do I prefer that? Yeah, so I, I 
I'm the opposite of you. I uh, want I want to get the nice gentle one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. but yeah, but I usually get the other. Oh, that's interesting. You know, maybe that's um, that's uh, part of what we get from God, right? We get what we should have, not what we want. Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. There yeah. you go. But no, you know, I've thought long and hard about why they prefer dust, and it also thought long and hard why um, nobody complains about Ash Wednesday. No, I, I mean, maybe. people, I mean, people complain about a lot of things. I've never heard anybody complain about Ash Wednesday. Right. People go to Ash Wednesday. Yeah. So I, and I sort of, there's a part of me that thinks maybe it should be a holy day of obligation because I do believe it's extremely important. It is. And I think all Catholics should go and I think all Catholics should get ashes. But I agree with you. I think people want to go. Yeah. Right? And I think they do want to have that moment of reflection um, and they, they do want to to look upon their lives and find ways to reform it and to seek grace. And I think it's a great opportunity for people to be, to get into that mindset. That was great. You stole and did better what I was wanting to get to eventually, but no, you say what you were going to say anyway. Well, I was going to get to, no, no, no. I wanted to get to, um, wait, let's just repeat that. You say it this time. I can't get it out. It was something like, People want to go because oh, they because complain. they want to get better. They want it. They want renewal. Yes. Yeah. And then the question is, um, maybe the ashes are a recognition that renewal does not come easy. Yeah. So that's and it's basically a human thing. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So but, you know the other thing about Ash Wednesday. I mean, it's very, very, very public. Yes, Cause exactly. Because you're, you're walking around the rest of the day, and you're you're in a sense you're t- you're proclaiming that you're a Catholic. Yes, but also you're proclaiming the thing you just said. Right. You're complaining. I I am. This is why I would say you know I've analyzed myself with dust. You've you you are dust, and dust you return. That there's something strangely comforting about putting your whole life in a sentence like that. You know, it's sort of like, um, I mean, after you say that, most of what I'm going to do is trivial, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y- you know, like, I know my destiny. I'm going to die. Yeah. Right. This is the part that I always thought was a little scary, though. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out why it's comforting for me. And I think it's comforting because the triv- the day-to-day things weigh me down, as you know me. Yes. I think you're... You're handling it extremely well. <laughs> the day-to-day things are the dust. Yes. No. Yeah. But the day-to-day things weigh me down, and it's it's sort of a it, it relativizes all of that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. a good and that and I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It's like when you're stressing about writing that paper and you think you're going to get a C plus. Yes. You know, and then you think in 500 years, how important is that C plus? That will be, be dust too. Yeah. So. Before we take a break, then I'll say, so you have repent and leave in the gospel, believe in the gospel. That kind of gives you something to do, which is yeah. what you're going to do for Lent. Right. I like you are dust and dust you return because it doesn't give me anything to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm not even saying so that. that. Now we're getting down to the lowest layer. Yes, but I'm saying not that, even that in a humorous way. I'm just saying this is how it says to me, this is how it is. It's sort of metaphysical. It is it's a state of being. Exactly. Beautiful. That's, 
No, seriously. Never thought that's of, why I, I never thought of that. But. That's why I think I am attracted. I like to say I've reflected long and hard on why I want to hear that I'm dust. And I think that's why. And maybe because I'm inclined toward metaphysical thinking, maybe. Great. Yeah. Does it make sense? So there is, I want to say, there is a positive in both. Because repent and believe in the gospel also puts the whole thing in a nutshell. Yes. Right? In one way. And then the dust. Right. All right. Now, after the break, what I want to do because we're set up to there, is to discuss the somewhat contradictory gospel that is read on Ash Wednesday that tells us, hey, when you repent, don't let anybody see it. Okay. At the very moment, we're getting, or not we're the very moment, ashes. about five minutes later, we're marked with ashes. So after the break, we'll get to that. Now we're going to go to the break. How do you want to be remembered? Please consider including Mount St. Mary's in your will or state plan. Remembering the mountain your plan is easy, qualifies you for membership in our 1808 society, and will provide opportunities for future students to call the mount their home. For more information, visit our website at msmary.edu. Okay, so I said before that we're going to go on to this gospel passage, but I want to backtrack a little bit before we get there and talk about Fridays. Now, I can remember not having meat on any Friday. Fish on Friday. People ate fish on Friday where I was from. Same here. Okay. And then, but in a weird way, because I grew up in a very Catholic-y town. So... I didn't know why it just, everybody ate fish on Friday. You know, it was just how you lived. It was just the way the menu worked. Okay. But then that stopped. Right. Can you not, you're a little bit older than me. Can you, you probably see, I think it was gone by the time I could know why it was done. Does that make sense? Yes. So can you say something about your experience of no fish? Well, see, and and, then, this is one of the things about Lent is that there are all kinds of rules, myths, and practices. Yes, but I'm not right. talking, wait, before we get to Lent on this. But, but I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get to the. Oh, you're all, okay, good. Okay. All Friday. So, yeah. so, so, you know, I remember growing up, you know, there was this kind of rule about, you know, if you're under a certain age, you don't have to abstain yes. from meat. Yes. So I sort of feel like we kind of, we milked that for a while, Yeah. you know, and, and then, you know, <laughs> yeah. then by the time. We probably added a couple of years onto that. Mm-hmm. And then we finally kind of got into high school. And then because we were rebelling at that point in time, you know, mm-hmm. we, we may have violated the abstinence rule. Mm-hmm. So although my parents obviously would have always served, you know, fish or, or another non-meat option on Friday. So, you know, my sense of that transition is it's, it was kind of not a sharp transition. Ah, uh, I see. It, it I was, see. it was, you yes. know, and I think, yeah, you, there was a period of time kind of in the 60s, you know, where, where sort of many people were questioning some of the mm-hmm. orthodox right. beliefs and practices of the church. And I feel like the flexibility that I myself believed myself uh, to be under at the time, mm-hmm. you know, kind of um, contributed to my yes. not really experiencing that as a sharp change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't remember, like I said, that um, for me, it was just sort of how the menu worked, right? Spaghetti on Wednesday or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then Friday was just fish. But I had no recognition of why. Did you? Were you old enough to kind of think through why or to know why you had no fish on Friday? 
I don't really think so. And then, okay. of course, like right. again, the the myths and, and practices. So, right. you know, by the time I became aware of the restriction, you know, then they're kind of like you got the story about how the Pope declared fish on Friday to help the Italian fishing industry. Oh, I see. It was story. given a, it was given a social political kind of. Uh, yes. You know, yeah. and so that, that or was, economic. and that was kind of feeding my, my sort of rebelliousness you're, you're and young. questioning yes, gotcha. at, at that time. Yeah. But, but like, was it ever, and I went to Catholic schools, you know, mm-hmm. K through eight, mm-hmm. I went to a Catholic university. Uh, I did go to a public high school, whether, well, other than that kind of, sort of catchphrase of self-discipline, I don't think it really ever was okay. well explained right. to me. So right. you could probably explain it to me right now and I will learn for the first um, time. I, I could probably not give you a great explanation except for it comes from fasting. Um, I don't know why meat, you know, it must've been something cultural at the time when it develops. I don't know how far it goes back, but um, you know, meat became, something that you would deny yourself when you're fasting in Lent and on that traditional Friday, the fasting wasn't a complete fast. Like for Lent now you're supposed to, I think the rule is you eat for two meals, what you normally would have for one meal. Mm -hmm. So you kind of are just eating two thirds of what you eat in a day or half of what you eat in a day. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was the Pope thing. I don't know, but you know, not meeting meat on Friday became, the rule of recognizing that day. And that day, of course, is Good Friday. So, you know, so every every Sunday liturgically is sort of a little Easter mm-hmm. um, going way, way back. Right. Right. Um, just like I did this with Monsignor Baker, but just like Easter's like the Super Bowl, right? Every Sunday is, you know, a, a football Sunday, right? Where right. you're leading up to the Super Bowl. But, okay. You know, and same way, every Friday was a Good Friday. Or you know, cool. analogous. Now, to I, that. I do think I recall at one time you had to. It was fast and abstinence every Friday. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's when meat got identified as not eat. It, it became the thing you did to fast. You didn't eat meat. Right. 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 So okay. Yeah. Um, sort of one substituted for the other, almost. In yeah. A way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, but you know, there were. I know there there were sort of weird thing. There are other things that happen. You know, because people are people. I have to say, one of the nice things about being Catholic is that there, over history, there is this interchange between cultural practices and religious practices, and one mixes with another, and then they revise and so on, having to do with, you know, we could talk about this next time with, like, Easter eggs, you know, things. Right. You know, there's this kind of fluidness between absorbing practices of culture and Christianizing them and then going the other way. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yep, we just got a little phone break. That's fine. There you go. So at the beginning of Mass, you know, we shut off our phones. We should have made that announcement for this podcast. You should have told me before. <laughs> exactly. I should have made the announcement. <laughs> yeah. uh, where are we now? Uh, we're on um, fasting. Fasting. Fasting, right. So we can get go from fast. So uh, we still have that on, on, on that practice is still in Lent, the Friday fast. Correct. Which is still related to me. Right. Now, but the other thing, and I've read this by some pretty good arguments, though, as it had to do with the thing you were saying when you originally said with uh, Ash Wednesday and crossing, you know, the cross on your forehead, that you're like out there, like, yes, I'm Catholic, this is what we do. Right. And culturally, particularly in Europe, um, that is how the abstinence from meat on Friday worked historically. Apparently, I mean, I've read historians talk about this, that, that a great loss when 
when the Friday fast was gone was that you didn't have that sort of weekly thing, mm-hmm. you know, anymore about this sort of public recognition of what you were doing that day right. and what that had to do with the other part, you know, like Sunday and these sorts of things. Like yeah, you- I'd like to give my, a shout out to my brother-in-law, Joseph Andrews, who still abstains from meat every Friday of the year. Yes. So he has been nice. able, he's been able to preserve that kind of continuity and public recognition in his own life. Well, I have read, and from some pretty good arguments, I'm thinking of Eamon Duffy in particular, he's a British um, historian, that that's like the worst thing that's happened to the contemporary church. No Friday fast anymore. Which you would never think of that, right? I mean, you got all kinds of arguments about this doctrine or that doctrine or whatever. Right. And he's like, Friday fast, that's it. That's the problem. Yeah, we got to go back to that. uh, Yeah, so uh, Andrews, what's his first name? Joseph. Yes. Um, As a little aside, I have to say that when you were talking about being rebellious and meeting meat on Friday when you weren't supposed to and fighting the powers of uh, the popes and Italian fishermen. Right. Boy, you sounded like your son Kevin. Okay. Wouldn't he say that? I don't know. I feel, I feel, see now there's the Kevin that I know and then there's Kevin's that other people know. Yes. But the Kevin that I know is pretty faithful to church tradition. No, I mean, when he was in high school, I'm not saying necessarily to the church, but he would, he would have that kind of conspiracy theory thing. He might've. Yes. Oh yeah. No, I'm telling you. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That was good. It's always good to see that, you know, the the sins of the sons are visited upon the father. Okay. But I will make, have to say... I reversed it there. So, you know, you have to raise a son that was like you. Right. Yeah. But I will have to say, you know, in defense of my own children, is they did not complain, you know, or rebel against... No, I wasn't talking about that really. No, I no, I know. But I, I, I think... To yeah. their to their credit, right? So yeah. I was being this little pain, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and sort of questioning while generally complying. But but uh, yeah. but they they've just they accepted it beautifully. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's probably something to do with you as a father. But we'll move uh, on. Probably not. Yeah. Or my wife Sheila. Oh yeah, fair enough. Okay, so now we were going to go to boy, we took a, t- a lot of time on that. Sorry about that. Uh, we we're going to go to this bit about um, on every Ash Wednesday we read Matthew six that tells us not to make a show of our penance, right? But to, uh, you know, wash up, mm-hmm. take a shower, comb your hair, shave, look good, you know, and, and just let it be between you and God. But yeah. on that very day, it, we, we get marked with this on our foreheads. This is, this has bothered me for a very long time. And it's also bothered me that this contradiction has never been recognized in a homily. You you don't feel that? Have you felt this contradiction? Well, n- no, but you've thought more deeply about okay. it than I have. So, I mean, uh, now I do remember teaching. So at the Mount St. Mary's, yes, in, in our Western Civ courses, we do yes. teach from the Gospel. Yes, and I, I'm a literature professor. I never, you know, taught uh, the Bible before, but yes. I. So we had some training, and I remember that that isn't secrecy kind of a theme in Matthew. Oh, that, that's more in Mark, but okay, go Mark. ahead. Okay. But, but Matthew but does pick so, it up. So Mark. that theme of yeah, yeah, of being secretive, you know, yeah. is is there must be a rhetorical and I and I don't remember because I haven't been teaching this in a long time. But 
sort of a, a rhetorical reason for maintaining that secrecy that might have applied more to sort of Jesus's plan while, while on earth. Uh, um, and maybe wouldn't quite be as relevant to people today. Who no, I think you, this, I didn't know what direction we were going to go with this, but I think you've given us a good direction on this. Okay. Okay. First th- two things to say. One is there's two different sort of secrecies going on. Okay. One in the gospel is when, when um, people say he's the son of God or the Messiah, he basically says, Hey, keep it to yourself. Go on your way. Often it's demons and Mark saying, you know, don't, hey, don't quit picking on us, son of God. And he's, you know, he tells him to be silent. And one of the reasons for that is if it's out that he's Messiah, they're going holy go. week happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kill or be killed. Right. Okay. So, so it's not his time yet. But the other thing you're talking about also with secrecy is um, there may be the way to put it. Like I say, I didn't know where this is going to go, but you kind of, put a wedge in this is that um, at least at that time, and it probably could be today, but our culture is different, but you know, you looked, I don't want to say cool, but yeah, you know, you would get congratulated for how much penance you were doing and you looked very religious and that kind of was a, a high status thing. And like today, um, if you think about like daily mass could be a privilege of people who have time and resources to take off work and go, or they're in a place where they can go uh, religious practice of that sort would have been reserved for people of means. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So I think there was a double showy offiness. Yes. If that, yeah, if that's a word, probably not right. Showiness. There you go. Yes. That's probably the word. So uh, maybe the secrecy there is that, um, the thing that you said, you get the cross on your head and you walk around like you're Catholic. But in our culture, that's not like high status. No. Right. No. So the context changed. So that, that's good for me. I, I like that right. way, that explanation. Now, I will say, I, I've always. So there are parts of the gospel that are challenging, and then there are parts of the gospel that sort of you affirm easily. Mm. So the idea of performing penance secretly. And without showiness, always really, really appealed to me. Yes. But I never, I was never struck until you brought it up today with the inconsistency with the wearing of the ashes. Okay. So you said easy, sorry, you said easy in the sense where it seemed easier than doing it publicly or easy in the sense of. No, easy in the sense that I could accept it easily. You could accept it easily. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get it. It it appeals. You say when something appeals to you, you're you're much more enthusiastic about accepting (laughs) it. Right. So, so, so like that was something that said, yes, that's right. You know, I, I agree with that 100%, you know, where, you know, when Jesus says, I sell everything you have and, you know, follow me, me," that's a little harder to accept. Yes. Now, actually let's take, I got to, we got to remember to take that up right after the break. So the next, so that, and that's where we'll finish off. I like this. We're going to go the easy and the hard way will be the theme for the right after the break. So we'll take a break now and start with tell you haven't followed me and do the easy and the hard. We know that you have many options when it comes to giving. So why not choose your mountain home from enhancing academic offerings to athletic programming Your support ensures that our students continue to lead lives of significance. To make your gift, visit msmary.edu today. 
So we're going to take up issues of the easy and the hard. And what you said, which is a nice sort of spiritual rule of thumb, right? If it's easy, then you kind of have to evaluate why, let's say. Right. Right. So we're, so the one that you said was the passage, um, Jesus meets a rich young man who's followed all the law. He says, what have I, what do I still have to do? I like it because he says, what should I do? And Jesus says, in a sense, you need to let go, right? Mm-hmm. So give up, you haven't followed me. And I've been part of Bible studies. They've gone all the same way. Every Bible study has done this passage. They're like, oh man, what could that mean? Oh man, man. People aren't saying that out loud or they're saying it in various sorts of ways. And then they say, oh, oh yeah. I guess it means, I guess it means whatever's holding us back from, because he was rich and that was holding him back. Okay. So whatever's holding us back from the kingdom of heaven, we ought to give up. And then people in the group take it in two different ways. Some are like, some are like, oh yeah, that's good. Cause what's keeping me is, you know, something easy. And then other people are like, ah, wow. What is it for me? It's gotta be hard. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so I want to go from there to giving things up for Lent. Great topic. Do you, do you have a theory? I have so many theories that now I do remember when I was younger, mm-hmm. It was very appealing to me to try to commit acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. So, so I was predisposed to try to become a better person and commit more acts of kindness yes. Yes. rather than giving anything up that I liked. Yes. Right? So yes. I, I feel it to a certain... And you say this was true of you as a young person. This was as a young person. You're talking young as in, in your 30s? You're talking young as in, in your 20s, teens? Yeah, I would say from second grade through college... Right. So I thought, okay. you know, giving up chocolate, I mean, what is that? Right. Exactly. Silly. So, but, you know, reaching out to someone who you yes. might normally not be kind to, yes. that's significant. Yes. Right. Yes. But I, I sort of, I have kind of flip-flopped on that because because mm. I felt that developing a habit of doing good acts, right, is kind of ended up being kind of random for me. Oh. Right? It would be easy for me to forget. Oh. Yes, right? yes. Here's yes. a person that I normally walk yes. by every day yes. and never say anything to. Like, uh, I'm so habituated to not say anything to that person that I probably wouldn't be very good about practicing this every day in Lent, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, for some reason, and this is p- maybe partly me, I, I, I feel like I'm successful when I try to give something up. I'm pretty successful about giving that up. And, and, Oftentimes the changes are fairly dramatic. You know, something, something that I am in the regular habit of doing, I'm able to not do that. And I, it makes me feel good that, I'm, that I at least have that level of discipline to give that up. But I also feel like I'm more observant, oh, more consistently observant when I'm giving something up. Oh, that is an interesting experiential. Um, it is interesting experiential because if you give up something that you want every day, then you never can escape it. Mm-hmm. In that sense. Right. right. I actually did give up. I usually give up candy. But, and the question does come to me, is it easy or is it hard? Right. And uh, I think I'm set. I think I've settled where you settle. I eat candy all day. Mm-hmm. Um, like every office has candy in it. And I take one every day, you know, like I'm in about four offices every day. 
you know I've eaten candy, and yes, we have Caitlin here running the stuff, but yes. I'm the I've, same way, and I, I don't have, give that up for Lent. By I way. have taken boxes of cookies from you, yes. So, um, yeah, so giving, like, I, every time I walk into an office now, like, I actually reach, I'm like, oh, so, yeah, I'm with that. I also am with the idea that we did with the um, the fasting thing already, that uh, particularly um, it's all of Lent, it reminds us that we're, deni- you know, that we're denying. It's supposed to be hard. You know, we don't have things in some... Um, I know this is true of me on Good Friday. I wish it were on other Fridays. I'm just saying truth. Like, Good Friday, I just kind of can't do anything. You can't do anything. I can't do anything. And, you know, that usually we, we have the day off and, um, but, you know, it just seems wrong to do anything, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. But you, I see you at the Good Friday services at the Basilica. Indeed, indeed you do. With your large class. Oh, I meant, I meant do anything, like do anything fun. Okay. You know. Now, I, I will say this in our family, and my dad is a practical person. Yes. So, particularly those hours from 12 to 3. Yes. That was prime time for dad to get us to do work. Exactly. Yard work. Okay. Yard work generally, but could be painting, painting a room. (laughs) You know, dad was off. We were off. We needed a lot of stuff done. Yeah. We'll go good Friday. Did it make you miserable? No, because uh, dad made it fun. Oh, he did. And um, now there was the difference between that say, for example, and Thanksgiving, where we also had to rake the leaves, is that we, we were supposed to remain silent for those three hours. Really? So, you know, other yeah. than just things that you need to do to, to advance the work. Yeah. So, uh, so I did. I, I felt that was an appropriate way to spend those three hours. Okay, so I don't want to get too um, whatever old school or something on this, but it, I do think it's good that during the day in Lent, when I'm being denied something, I think to myself, you know, it's that's something I should not enjoy. You know, because you and we're supposed to know that Jesus is on his path toward crucifixion. So right. um, that's why I prefer the, that's one reason why I prefer the denying versus the good deed, right? We're, we're trying in a very small way, trivial way, I know, it's sort of not me not having candy in Jesus are like really far apart. Right. right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a simple recognition that that's what's happening mm-hmm. during this time. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Uh, I did want to talk about the 40 days. Okay. 40 mean anything to you? 40, the 40. number, the number 40, 40, the biblical well, number 40. Well, at one time it sounded really old and now it sounds really <laughs> yes, young. That's, that's, <laughs> So, so that's what I think about 40. So I, I have I have many things to say about Lent yes. in reference to 40 days, but I, I really don't know much about like the numerical significance. Oh, well, we've got 40, 40 for um, days of rain with Noah's Ark. Okay. We've got the people of Israel after they leave Egypt, liberating Egypt, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. This is after right. uh, they muck it up because they're complainers and then they uh, make their own golden calf because Moses has taken way, way too long uh, up on the mountain. And then, so the next generation has to pass. It's almost the whole people has to do penance basically. And, wow. then, and Moses himself doesn't go over to the promised land. So they got that 40. Yeah. That was always a bummer for me. What Moses not getting there. Yeah. 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 His bones get there. I think 
That's but, nice. Uh, yeah, but now not Moses. But yeah, that's the whole generation doesn't okay. go. Yeah. And then you've got Jesus fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. Yeah, so I do know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a story about that. Yeah, good. Go with your story about that. Why I okay, so this is from my father-in-law, yes. Jim Doherty. So yes. there was a big question in my, my wife Sheila's house, not in my house, but in her house, about whether you could break your fasts or your, whatever you were giving up for Lent on Sunday. Yes, that's a big argument. Yeah, that's a huge argument. Yes. So, Can I insert just a thing in that argument for a minute? Yeah, so Lent is actually 46 days because um, there's six Sundays. So that's the argument those people make. I don't make that argument. Okay, but, so, but you know what? I got to say, you know, there was an element there. You know, Lent seems really long to me. Yes. And so I was unaware that it was actually 46 days. Mm. And I was like, man, this, this, this has got to be, this has got to be more than 40. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And then here I find out it actually was more than 40 and I'm not surprised. Oh, cause 46. Always, oh, that's where you're coming with the, yeah. It always yeah. seemed way too long. But to get back to my father-in-law, yeah. you know, he, you know, if there was a debate in his family about whether or not you should give up or you could refrain from giving up yes. whatever you were giving up, he said, did Jesus come out of the desert? I guess we don't really know, but you can't imagine that Jesus was like leaving the desert on Sunday, right? So yeah, nice. According according to Jim Doherty, you had to stick to your guns. Nice, but that did not end the controversy. Oh yeah, and it still goes on. So um, does Sheila follow this? I think Sheila is occasionally flexible on that particular issue, but I've always been. Okay, Jesus didn't come out. Yeah, of the we desert. go full, we go full out, but I know we've had. I know. That uh, and then know there's people. there's also the questions. There's questions about things like Holy Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Where are you? You know, on Good Friday is Lent technically over? Well, of course, Friday you have to fast and abstain. So, what about Holy Thursday? You know, because that's out of the that's not technically yeah. out of Lent, right? Uh, I don't know. Somebody, somebody more capable. Because it's, a, it's, I'd have it's to we're wearing the tritium. I thought phase. it was part of it, though. Yeah, well, that's know. that's what I always did. Yeah. But I've heard I many. Part, I thought I always thought it was part of the forty or the forty-six. Okay. Okay. Uh, last thing I want to do is to quickly go over the temptations of Jesus in this. In the, it's actually the first Sunday of Lent, where which is past right. for us. I remember point, where they read the read that Matthew four about those temptations. And I just think it's interesting to hear them and just reflect on them because they do. Uh, I'll give the end of the story. So what, what I take them to be are temptations about Jesus as Messiah. And one of those temptations that anybody would have that's a Messiah or a leader or in any job, really, is that you use it to serve yourself, right? And so, um, or, or easy way, hard way, right? Mm -hmm. You take the easy way to get things done versus the hard way. Right. So the temptations really are about the easy way and they're about temptations of Messiah, which I suppose are also temptations about all of Israel and all Christians as well. Right. Okay. So do we have faith in God because God gives us cash and prizes Right. We do. There is that element to our faith because yes. we ask and it's supposed to be given. It just matters how, how we're going to put that primer. Right. So do, yes, so our base and faced on cash and prizes. These are now or later. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Bank it for later for the big heaven. Right. Yes. Lottery thing. Yes. Or are, do we have faith in God because God is God 
and we will follow. Right? I mean, th yes, seriously. That's a big question. And I think that is part of all of people of faith, probably of all religions in a way. I would think so. Yeah. So, so your faith is supposed to make you life better, but sometimes it makes it harder, yeah. right? And sometimes we try to pray our way out of the hard parts, yes. thinking we shouldn't have these, right? right? So, and it's not bad to do so, but it just seems to me an interesting question. Cash yes. and prizes, or this is a program that is good because it's the redemption of the world. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So I should say Pete here is a Dean and I would think, uh, it's the basic, um, I guess it's a shift that happens to you and become a Dean when you're, a, when you become a Dean, what's good for the whole becomes the big question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I, I'm, I was chair for the English department for 12 years, and I was always thinking about what was best for the English department. Yeah. And I, and, yeah. And I was locked into that mode of thinking. And now as dean, I, I don't always necessarily think about whatever I think we should do yeah. is necessarily going to be what's best for the English department. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, we should do it, I mean, for the school. We should do it for the school, university yeah. or the College yeah. of Liberal Arts. Yeah, no, I case. agree. I see that in you. And it's sort of an interesting um, thing that happens to people. Yeah. Right? And I think the idea is when people become Christian and traditionally walk the pathway of Lent and then Easter is the same thing. They have to start thinking, what's good for the world? Right. right. It's not about me. Right. And the fasting and the things you go for Lent, I think are kind of training in that, right? It's not about me. Yeah. So I'm going to quickly go over these temptations. So the first one is, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. Right. And you can see that easily. That's how to use your power for your own good. Sure. Particularly since he's fasting right now. Right. So he's pretty <laughs> yeah. darn hungry right now. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, and then he cites scripture, one does not live on bread alone. Uh, and then the second one is, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. With their hands, they will support you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Yeah. And so if you put that in terms of the crucifixion, you know, getting arrested, put on trial, scourged and then you know uh going on to being crucified um boy it looks different there right like because yes. people were actually saying to him that why why don't you just call down your god right right you've done you've done some pretty fancy stuff jesus mm -hmm. save yourself now mm -hmm. so it's interesting that he doesn't use that temptation is right at the beginning yeah right take the easy way Right. And I think the last one is one of the most easy ways, especially if we use it as a metaphor. All these, uh, where is it? Um, took him to a, devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to them, all these I shall give you if you prostrate yourself and worship me. And like I say, if we take that metaphor for what people do, you know, whatever, do this, whatever, lie about this, undermine that person, right? Mm -hmm. And the big, you'll get what you want. Right. And so that really is the temptation of the easy way. Right. Yeah. Worship me. You can have it right now, Jesus. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and not take the path that looks like you're on. So interesting, huh? So Very interesting. Yeah. So I do think we should take those 40 days in Lent as that challenge 
like not to think about our faith as my phrase is the cash and prizes that are going to make our life easy, Mm -hmm. but learning to step out of our own desires, even if it's just for candy or whatever you're giving up. Well, one of the things I give up, so I, I tend to be a news junkie. And as you know, most of us sit in front of a computer screen for large portions of the day. Yes. So during Lent, I am not allowed to view any news internet sites. Wow. And, and that, go ahead. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, now it takes me a day or two because I'm su- such in the habit of like, if I'm taking a break from my work, like checking yeah. out the news or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm like amazed that I am able to discipline myself not to do that. And I have to say, and the thing I just said not because I'm sucking up to you, but it sounds exactly like the thing to do because you have to refocus. You have to think about something else. Yeah, right. And I think, you know, in the beginning, I'm a little lost because, you know, that's sort of my way of refocusing, you know, sort of taking a break and then refocusing back. But I I, I am trying to do it. You know, honestly, I think I will be more productive during Lent Mm. if I don't do that. Well, So so I, I, I feel like there's a benefit for me. Maybe that's not an ideal solution, but... Well, I'm going to suggest our friend Bill Portier calls things like news ephemera, mm-hmm. you know, things that are gone the next day, and especially news these days on the news cycle. Right. So I'm suggesting to you that in the model I just said, you know, like shifting our mind toward things that are good for the world, mm-hmm. that, you know, you see what you're giving up is ephemera. Yeah. Things that are passing and shift your mind to things that are lasting. And that takes us right back to the symbolism of the ashes. Thank you. Yes. That is a great way to end. Nice pickup. Score. Nice. So we'll hear, We'll come back and talk about Easter in another podcast. Now, can I tell the story yeah. about my dad? Oh, yeah. This is the one story I wanted to tell. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Okay, so my dad was a lo- alumni director at another Catholic university, much yes. like the Mount. Yes. And, of course, he... Uh, he had to p- plan alumni activities well in advance. Mm-hmm. So one year he planned a beef and beer, not realizing that it would occur on a Friday in Lent. Oh. So at a certain point in time, he realized that he had scheduled a beef and beer on a Friday in Lent, and it was advertised as a beef and beer. So what do you think he did? I have no idea. <laughs> he served cheese pizza and fried fish from the school cafeteria. (laughs) Were people uh, annoyed? Well, that was back in my challenging days, so I was slightly annoyed. (laughs) But I have to give full credit to the faithfulness of my dad. Yeah, nice, nice. All right, well, I hope uh, people have had time, used this time to reflect on their own habits of Lent and sort of evaluate evaluate what they do. Great. Thank you, because you've deepened my knowledge. Nice.